Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are working so hard to make coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live work and play. Hey, you know, you look back uh, on the uh, Cruising the Coast event last week, it's truly remarkable. You know, we spent you know several shows talking about it, but uh, between nine and 10,000 cars registered a record this year, and probably that many more not registered, but the people were crawling all over coastal Mississippi. And as I've said uh, so many times in the past couple of weeks, it was a world-class event in a world-class destination uh, with world-class weather. <laughs> that is for sure. Um, one of the beneficiaries of, uh, of a great cruise in the coast event is the, is the Walter Anderson Museum of Art. And uh, I've invited my friend, the executive director of that museum, Julian Rankin, to join me today. We'll find out what the impact was at uh, his museum, but we'll also just kind of get an update on what's happening these days. Anyway, without any further ado, let me say good morning to my old friend, Julian Rankin. Good morning. It's good to be here with you. And yeah, like you say, those... Um those downtowns completely change when cruising's happening, and we're right in the thick of it. So it's an exciting yeah, it time. Fe- it feels so, gosh, for for a walkable community like Ocean Springs to see all of those cars converge. It just, it, it just the the picture, you know, the image of that is so amazing. Yeah, and I think people, you know, they they come to the coast all year round, but there's certain times, Peter Anderson Festival, cruising the coast. You know, many occasions, of course, across the the region, when you come and you really see it in top form, it's it's almost like a rendering when people design communities and they want to put the little people activating spaces. Well, you know, what should this look like? Well, it looks like that a lot of times in coastal Mississippi and all our different downtowns and areas when people are really enjoying both the weather, like you say, but also just the you know the streetscapes, the communities, the, the small businesses, and and each other. And that's what the community down here is really about. You know, one of the things that Woody Bailey talks about, and I've said it a couple of times on the show, but he said this cruising event is unique in that you actually get to use your car. You know, you think, I mean, you know, you think, wow, what? I mean, of course, it's a cruising event. But no, actually, this is unique in that, actually. Most of them are out in the big field somewhere with, you know, thousands of cars come and they ooh and all, all over each other's cars. But they don't actually go cruising. They don't literally go cruising. Here, you know, from from one stop on one side of the east to the west, it's 40 miles, and in between this, this opportunity to showcase all of the cities that make up coastal Mississippi. It is unique in that way. And then, of course, when you add to it that this is one of the only communities in America where you can have an unencumbered view of the beach when you go down the various beach boulevards or down Highway 90, it just makes it a, a one where even where there's a lot of inflation and a high cost of gas, that if someone in the cruising who's headed or has a plan to head to a cruising event is saying, I usually do two events this year. I'm only going to be able to do one. Which one am I going to pick? Well, I think we have a competitive advantage in that, and that's why there was such a a great success this year. But when you're sitting in your museum, not just the hustle and bustle that's happening around you during the cruising event, what does it feel like inside the museum? 
Well, certainly, as you're saying, during those events, you know, when there's traffic here, there's there's traffic inside the museum. Um, you know, it's really great, though. Every day is like this where, you know, we may get, you know, whatever the percentage, you know, of, of people that coming in from out of uh, the region and all over the country, um, all over the world. And so every day is uh, an opportunity for us to be, you know, ambassadors um, of coastal Mississippi and to educate people about you know, the culture here. And I love how even in the landscape you're mentioning, you know, on, along Highway 90, you can see the water. You can go from, you know, Bay St. Louis all the way to Pascagoula and in your, in your cruiser and so forth. But, you know, every day that people come here, um, they, they come for one thing, but they realize there's more. There's a cultural aspect to it or someone comes for the culture and they find the food. And, and so connecting those dots for people is really amazing. And, and Anderson's art does connect all those dots for us. So it's a great pleasure and, and honor to be able to to help spread that good news to people who come down uh, to the coast. Julian, people who have been regular listeners know this about you, that, that you have a terrific background. You actually wrote a book about an African-American Delta farmer, terrific book. And you, uh, you spent some time in the Mississippi Delta. I was up there, as you know, I have a place up there and what was up there this past weekend. And the way, best way to describe what I experienced last weekend, we got a lot of work done, but we also, there was a lot of dry dust and dust everywhere. You know what that looks like when you haven't had rain in the Delta for a long time. It's been great for, it's been great for the farmers because they've been able to harvest and whatever. But you know, the thought occurred to me while I was up there thinking about cruising the coast. I'm actually surprised there hasn't been a cruising event that takes into account something like the Blues Trail, for example. Now, it would be impossible to go to have an event that takes in all of the markers. But, man, when you think about some of the more important markers like Robert Johnson and some of the others that, that exist throughout the Delta, you would think that this, you know, that, that is a cruising event prime and ready to happen, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's an interesting thought, actually, because there are some similarities. If you think about the Delta, you know, obviously Clarksdale or – you know, Greenville or Cleveland, there's all these nodes of uh, really important blues history and obviously history of all kinds, but um, similar to us. I mean, we, I think there's a benefit to having a series of destinations and the Delta. That's the one thing I always enjoyed about going back is you can throw away your map in some ways because um, at least your GPS map, because your, your phone's not going to necessarily tell you where to go. You can look at the paper and, and kind of retrace the the pathways of people who who were um, in 1950s Chevys, you know, driving along those roads uh, so long ago. And I think that would be an amazing event. And to have blues, you know, at, at every corner when you stopped, they should, you should uh, sell that package. It up and <laughs> Maybe it I, I need to talk to C Ray about that, but coming, coming back to uh, coastal Mississippi, uh, you've had, you know, you guys have done really well throughout the pandemic and the post-pandemic world. You've really found your, your place. And as I've described so many times, you know, you've got a great museum there that showcases amazing artists. Obviously, the principal artist is Walter Anderson and his iconic contributions to the art world and even beyond that. I mean, we've discussed so many times he's, an, he's a renaissance man. Um, but but the, the role the museum plays in helping build a better community, I mean, it's just as important as the museum itself. When you uh, kind of characterize how things are going for you guys, not only in terms of what's happening in the museum, but your external involvement as well, uh, how, how's, how's the world in your world these days? I mean, it's good. It's exciting. We're in a growth period, um, which has its challenges, of course, um, growing staff, growing programs, you know, literally growing our campus, as we've talked about before, we have a campus expansion underway. So that's been, you know, very exciting. Um, you know, coming out of the pandemic, even though it's 
COVID's never really gone, I suppose. But coming out of that period of lockdown and where we really were not sure what the world looked like, um, it's been great to be able to welcome people back. And so there is an increased visitation and, you know, whether that's the online store that we've staffed up and growing pains of trying to be more um, focused on our, our, our growing staff and how to keep them focused. But outside of the museum, whether it's the artworks that we put in Pascagoula or a new project that we're getting launched now through the National Academies of Sciences um, about the Gulf, uh, the blue economy, and, and how we can use art as a way to get people engaged in the future of, of this place and the resilience of the ecosystems. You know, we're really trying to participate in a national conversation and using the Gulf Coast, using creativity, innovation as a way to open doors to, to students and learners of all ages. So a lot of these things are happening all at once, which makes it exciting but difficult at the same time. But it's where we want to be. We want to keep growing into uh, the places that um, that the coast needs us. And, and I think we've occupied and continue to occupy an important place as an institution in connecting those dots, as we've talked about. Well, Julie, I think that what you just said, though, is so powerful. And it reminds people that you, you know, being a museum is just the beginning. I mean, it's just literally the beginning. I, I recall conversations with Mayor Billy Hughes about what's happening relevant to the blue economy in Gulfport. Obviously, there have been a number of guests, including those with uh, at USM. The most recent conversation I had with Dr. Joe Paul from Southern Miss, and 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 how they've literally completely uh, recommissioned their their coastal strategy around the blue economy and the role that USM Gulf Coast is going to play in that. And um, I mean, you know, it, in recent conversations with with Paige Roberts, executive director of Jackson County Chamber, who also is not your father's chamber. I mean, they're involved in community building. You guys are involved together often in the work that you're doing in your outreach. But, you know, for, for someone who sees a museum in more of the sort of traditional sense, to hear a museum director like you talking about the blue economy and how your work and the artwork connects to that, how Walter Anderson connects to that, it's, um, it's incredibly holistic, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, we're really fortunate. We're a unicorn in some ways. I mean, in Anderson's um, artwork and philosophies, he connected those dots. He talked about and painted, you know, everything from aquaculture and American labor, disappearing, um, you know, pelican and eagle populations, DDT and all these environmental concerns. He went out to Horn Island and was experienced with what the resources we have are. Um, and so we have that backdrop. And then we look at the community and these industries and um, this dynamism of being on the coast itself. Um, it's really an important um, thing for us to, to live into that. Museums don't have to be just, you know, um, statues of preservation. We are that for visitors, but it's really about activating the art. I love that. Activating the art. Um, you know, I, I couldn't help but think about Walter Anderson, you know, tying himself to a tree for Hurricane Betsy and what he learned about storm surge. And gosh, man, he was an immersive artist in so, so many different ways. We'll see you more with uh, Julian Rankin from the Walter Anderson Museum when we come back after this break. Live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Julian Rankin, who's the executive director for the Walter Anderson Museum of Art, and someone I, I really greatly admire. If I look at if I look at the people that I've had the opportunity to visit with, and as I mentioned the other day, I did a count the other day, and I've had over 700 conversations here on Coastview since we started over two two years ago. Uh, I would put Julian in the top five. Julian's leadership in Coastal Mississippi is very significant. And one of the things that makes him so good at what he does is that he's a great communicator. He really does understand how a how someone like Walter Anderson, for example, how he connects to the community in so many different ways. It manifests itself in so many different ways. Um, he sees the role the museum plays in the community as as much about community building as it is about being able to sort of, as he calls it, demonstrate a statue, so to speak, which, which I think is a great way to say that because it means that museums are seen as maybe static places that, that aren't living in sort of this 3D world that the rest of us are living in. But what I told him during the break is that it was interesting to hear him say the word blue economy because I've never actually heard him say it like that before. And when we talk about blue economy, we're talking about man, you, you got some dynamic stuff happening with uh, with with unmanned watercraft that are doing uh, you know surveying and other other work out in the out in the Gulf of Mexico. You think about the port and the role that it plays and the kind of technology it's using to do what it's doing. You think about the work that's happening at Stennis, which is some, some incredibly uh, progressive work with you know I think they say they have more oceanographers at Stennis than anywhere else in the world. I mean, think about that for a minute. Think about Ingalls. But anything that can, can connects with this 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 waterfront that we had, this this Gulf of Mexico and the work that's happening there, both under the, the water and above the water, uh, commercially and otherwise. And what 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 Julian just did is connect art to that. And uh, I've never heard it say that, but it, it makes all the sense in the world to say it from your perspective, Julian. Yeah, well, I think like you're saying, the blue economy is everything in our economy. Um, it's not just the most high-tech uh, progressive solution. It's, you know, it's marine transportation and ports, it's ocean exploration, it's seafood, it's tourism, it's the resilience of the ecosystem itself. And so when, when we see, you know, NOAA and, you know, federal agencies and all of the, you know, the um, corporations and, and other entities that you're mentioning, educators and um, research institutions doing this work and all these private sector folks coming in, you know, we see all that and we understand that there is a cultural and um, communicative baseline to, you know, what that means for normal people who don't always traffic in, you know, these high-tech circles, for example. And so what we think about when we think about the blue economy is how can we bring art and communication to it, especially when it comes to students, bring them into potentially industries that they'll participate in later on through, you know, making the data make sense, communicating. And sometimes that's through visual art. It could be through the written word or spoken word or team building. And that's where the artwork is only the starting point. It's really about creativity and communication. And how can we partner with, for example, as we've talked about before, English shipbuilding, take their scrap steel, turn it into a public artwork that's now in a public place. Well, it has a different meaning. We can have a dialogue around it that couldn't happen if the public but it was going to be on the shipyard because they can't be on the shipyard. So it, our way of, of thinking is how can we connect the existing assets on the coast, bring this brand of Walter Anderson that is so beloved and spotlight the success stories, but also bring students and people of all ages into that world so that they can be part of it. You know what I love about it, Julian, and you know, at the base of all of this is this, is that by doing that, 
you're, you're, what you're trying to do is touch as many people, touch as many kids on every dimension possible. What kind of outreach can you create? And the art program for Pasigula is an example of that, but it manifests itself in so many different ways. And you don't know, you don't know that that eight-year-old, that ten-year-old, that twelve-year-old that you're touching. You don't know how what you may be doing to unleash in their mind their own creativity. And if, by the way, they may go on to be an engineer, or they may go on to be a doctor, they may go on to be a lawyer, they may go on to to work at the shipyard, they may go into art. But what you're doing is you're you're unleashing in their minds this, this creativity that can lead to future innovation. It could be the cure for cancer. It could be, you know, designing a new, you know, rocket ship that would take us to, to Mars. You don't know what the impact of it's going to be, do you? No, I mean, and, and it is to use a, a very trite kind of cliche analogy, but it's the butterfly effect idea, you know, to turn it back to nature, right? A monarch butterfly flaps its wings, what happens, you know, the world over. And what we try to do, as I mentioned, is, is bring students into that conversation and just thinking about, you know, for example, foodways or, um, you know, or the fab lab in Jackson County. So you think about these fabrication that is built into some of our school districts, school, school students are using it, but how can we then collaborate with them, take it out of just the school environment, bring the public into it, put some entrepreneurial spin on it, um, and actually do something here on campus that's based in fabrication and design and culture and landscape. This is just one, this is one example, food being a whole nother one. And when we build our campus, as we're doing now, there are places for, you know, for chefs to come and reside, for scientists to come and do work. So we try to outsource this expertise through partnerships, bring them into a space where we're able to curate a conversation, an exhibition, whatever it may be, with the public. And then people start to integrate the blue economy, in this case, into their lives, and they understand in a different way what it means to, to live in this region. Hey, have you had the opportunity to visit Gupport High? I haven't. That's a good one to have on the list. You need to put them on the list. Um, we did a live remote there a few weeks ago. I hadn't been there. I've heard about it, obviously. I've heard about it many times, and we've talked about it here on the show, but went over and spent some time with them. and. Man, they've got it's unbelievable, man. If you like in the auto mechanic area, they've literally got it looks like the back of a used car. I mean, excuse me, a new car dealership. And then there's a retail store and there's a digital media that's got the best, you know, Apple technology in there. And you go own it. They've got a commercial grade kitchen that, that, uh, that, um, uh, any great chef would love to cook in and do demonstrations at. It's it's a real world. They I called it Disney World. It's like being at Universal Studios where they set up all these incredible real life scenarios, and the kids actually get to work in that. Now that's that's progression. That's that's unlocking innovation, and uh, you're seeing more talk about that kind of uh, that kind of work in in, in in colleges and high schools all along the coast. But it is really innovative. You need to go check it out because maybe there's some great synergies that could happen there between you and these people who are thinking very strategically and innovatively. I know there are. And, you know, just as an example, you know, here in our staff, our finance director is one of the coaches for the robotics team for some of those Gulfport students. So I think the interesting thing to think about in all of our lives and businesses and certainly this museum you know, is we don't live in silos. Things aren't hermetically sealed off from each other. So how can we take those great capacities that a lot of these districts have, for example, um, and build upon them, come with an, with an idea, a project that gives students even more applied skills that may result in a permanent sculpture, whatever it may be. And that's the beauty of it is we're not here doing this alone. We're supporting and are supported by the industries and institutions around us. And we're doing our part to try to amplify their messaging 
and create new models that can be syndicated, spread across not just the coast, but all of Mississippi. And, and I think that's what the, the coast needs to do is to share innovations and models for success with the state because we are such an engine for, you know, for Mississippi as a whole. Hey, one thing in the short time we have left, we don't probably spend enough time talking about this, but you've got a great board that's full of people that buy into this strategic vision of Walter Anderson Museum being more than just a museum. Uh, it's important to have a board that supports you in your efforts and come from all walks of life, but you've got kind of a dream team assembled, don't you? I do. I can't you know, say enough about our, our trustees. They um, they're, they're my boss, but they're really our connection to the community, our institutional knowledge, and they're so willing to, to create connections for us, to do the, the heavy lifting if they need to, and it's a real pleasure, and we're blessed to have that leadership. I uh, couldn't do it without them. Uh, the other thing that's exciting is to watch Ocean Springs continue to evolve. You know, I mean, you know, my son, who's a real estate lawyer, I think I may have mentioned this before, said that the price per square foot of a lot or, or business or a residence in downtown Ocean Springs is probably at its highest <laughs> as we speak. That it's a it's a place that's in demand, but you got you've got you know the Conjuries, for example, and and Joe Cloyd and others continue to invest in that community. This the evolution of boutique motels and 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 restaurants and and boutiques. It's exciting to be in a city like that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean we we can't uh, overstate how important it is for us to have people walking the streets and to be a part of the development that's happening here. You, you want to be able to say you have a museum in your town and we want to be able to say people are coming to town. So it's a good uh, symbiotic relationship and, and we're always a uh, game for, uh, for continuing that movement. It just, it, it really sums up again, the importance of the land, right? We talk about the price of land. What is the real value of our landscape? It's, it's sometimes measured in money and, and dollars and cents. Other times it's measured in the experiences we get on Horn Island or elsewhere. And I think that's something that we want to continue to talk about is there's many ways to place value on it. But we do know we're in a place where people want to be, and, uh, and there's work to be done, and it's a pleasure to be able to do it. Well, Ann and I went over for lunch not long ago, and, um, you know, we, we, we did an obligatory stop at Tater Nut. You have, to, you have to do that. Had a great lunch. But, you know, it's always cool to be there and just feel the vibe, you know, people walking around and, you know, just kind of enjoying it. You enjoy, you know, the, you can't, hard to find a place to park, but when you get your, you know, you find your place to park, you, the main thing to do is get out of your car and go walk. You know, that's that's the thing about downtown Ocean Springs. I mean, that's that's the thing that's coming back in downtown Pascagoula, and that's what makes Bay St. Louis so special and what's what's coming to bear in, in, in places like Biloxi and, and Gulfport, downtown Gulfport. It's exciting, man. It's always cool to spend some time with you. As I said before, you're an excellent communicator, and you have so much enthusiasm for what you do, and it's very contagious. Thanks for visiting with us, my friend. Thank you, Ricky. Appreciate it been great we'll see you after after this break subscribe for free to the coast view podcast on itunes google Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts a super talk mississippi media production